Hello and welcome back to the Total Football New Zealand podcast. I'm Connor Clements, joined today by my regular co-host Michael Anderson. How are you doing, Mike? Good man, and ready to review um, do a slight review of a crazy weekend of Premier League action, and look forward to some pretty cool matchups coming up. Absolutely. Speaking, speaking of which, before we get into things, what are your hot takes on that Leicester City versus Arsenal game? To be honest, I only watched the highlights, but the highlights showed me that Arsenal battered them to a pulp, and then Jamie Vardy came in and stole the points. He, to be fair, he could have got two towards the end. Oh, absolutely, Jamie Vardy could have got two. Yeah, I thought we uh, were dominant when we had the ball. We had a lot of chances. We just couldn't finish them, and unfortunately, at the end of the day, you've got to finish your chances. You've got to take those opportunities when they come, uh, and Jamie Vardy does what he does best against Arsenal. He, he gets the ball in the back of the net, and uh, you know it's, it's heartbreaking to see us concede a late one to to lose, uh, but as soon as Jamie Vardy was preparing to come on, I just had a sinking feeling that you know we hadn't got a goal and uh, we needed at least a goal to make sure that we get some sort of points. And I saw Jamie Vardy coming on, and I thought that you know he just he does what he does, and he did one uh, nil to to Leicester. We tried to buy him a couple of seasons ago. I think mainly we tried to buy him because we know that he always scores against us, so it was just to get yeah. him out of our get him out of our uh, our hair to to say something. But I I mean it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. A bit of a Torres to Chelsea move, right? <laughs> yeah. So he stopped scoring goals. Exactly. Against... I mean, Torres always scored against Chelsea, and so Chelsea were like, well, how do we deal with this issue? And they're like, well, we'll just buy him. Um, and yeah. ideally, Arsenal would have paid a bit more for Vardy because I think he was worth a bit more than what we were offered. But he's a loyal man, and uh, he showed his loyalty to Leicester, and he's continued to perform for them. So, you know, what ha- did you... hats off. What did you think? Um, I'm not sure. I think it was Lacazette um, was going for a shot. And they showed it on the slow-mo replay. The Leicester player has come very close to his head. And VAR doesn't, like, review this, right? And, like, the Leicester player hasn't gone, you know, hasn't made connection. He stuck his foot up to block. But it's extremely close to his head and, very like, in the kind of vicinity of a high boot. So is a high boot only a high boot if it actually makes a connection? Or is a high boot a high boot when there could be a possible connection? Because to me, like... Really, if we have that, uh, it should be used to review all circumstances like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that it's one of those things where they just don't want to bring it back and the ref hasn't made a call. So if, if it had been obvious and if Lacazette had been put in danger uh, by the swinging leg, which a lot of people would argue he was, but because it didn't make contact, the referee didn't see fit to stop play and so VAR wasn't introduced. Uh, yeah. I think it becomes an issue when you know you come back to something that that hasn't really affected play too much, and then suddenly they're like, "No, no, wait, this was dangerous. Um, we need to review this." And it's like, "Well, everyone feels robbed then because you've gone to a thing that wasn't stopped, and you've said it should have been stopped for this." And I, I think that that's when it becomes an issue. And I think if it had connected, then that would have been a different story. Uh, but because it was just in the vicinity of him, and the ref didn't see fit to stop the game, that's why VAR wasn't introduced. So I'll be honest, I can't even remember the top four predictions, but I have a, sink, uh, I have a feeling that I um, predicted that Aston Villa was going to fall out of the top four. You did predict Aston Villa were going to fall out of the top four. In fact, you had Aston Villa not even in the top ten. So, Yeah, and 3-0 loss against Leeds. Maybe, maybe my only mistake was Leeds are not going to be in the top four. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> you had Leeds we, ninth. <laughs> shall we move on? Absolutely. Uh, Leeds versus Leicester coming up. Bielsa versus Brendan. If you had to pick one manager, I mean, I know you've got a reasonably good manager with Arteta, but let's be honest, he's not top four material. Um, if you're going to pick a manager, is it Bielsa or Brendan to take over Arsenal? 
um, in the coming years. Bielsa always, I'd always say Bielsa. I love the way that Leeds play. Uh, he, they get me excited every time I watch them. I saw that game against Aston Villa. I mean, Bamford, amazing hat-trick. But first and foremost, the way that Leeds play is just scintillating, you know? that the To watch those players at breakneck speed and trust their manager in terms of what he does, um, what he tells them to do. I mean, they get across the pitch so well. They look to create space at every opportunity. And then when they lose the ball, they press as a unit and they force the opposition into traps. I love watching it. I think Bielsa is a fantastic manager. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, obviously, he's got great character. Um, oh, that he does. That he does. But at the end of the day, I'm always going to say Bielsa. Bielsa is that mythical character, though, right? And so, like, in terms of winning championships, has he performed as well as other managers? But let's be honest, the absolute credit and what the input that he has put into the game and, like, look at the way Leeds play... It's kind of like when Jurgen Klopp first took over Liverpool. Everybody was like, oh, but he hasn't won a league title. Or he hasn't won a, like, you know, even a cup yet. But I was thinking, when Jurgen first took over Liverpool, I was thinking, wow, I'm just having fun watching the games. You know, even taking it back to a local level, stepping out of the Premier League mindset for a second. Remember when Ernie Merrick first took over the Phoenix? There was a run of losses, but like people were just enjoying watching the team. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's what Leeds get every single week. You know, they know they're going to enjoy the football that has been presented to them on a week by week basis. So as much as I love Brendan Rodgers, you know, he he took us on a season of dreams and also laughs and just um, you know a lot of other stuff. Uh, <laughs> You'd have to pick Bielsa every single day. So, who do you think is going to trump it in the uh, trump in the match coming up? Well, it's a hard one because I think that both teams are, are great, and I love watching both of them. But I think at the end of the day, Leeds are going to come away with a, a shock result, and they're going to win two one. I think that they'll have just a bit too much firepower for Leicester. Um, although I think it's going to be a very close game, a bit of a ding dong affair. Um, yeah. So I took Bamford out of my fantasy Premier League you team. Poor bugger. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I guess he, he made sure that he scored for you, mate. Yeah, and so I'm going to double down on that and say that Vardy's going to score two and it's going to be a 2 0 win to uh, Leicester. Oh, so you're backing Vardy in your fantasy team? You're backing the Foxes you back to get Vardy, the W? Yeah. yeah, he's good. He's a good player. Um, all right, moving on. United versus Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal defeated by Leicester in their last match. United sitting in 15th on the table at the moment. Crazy scenes. If they lose this one, you're looking at United sitting in the lower half of the table. Potentially, if other results go their way, they could slip, oh, well, against them, sorry, they could slip almost into the relegation zone, um, down to 16th. So Arsenal on nine points, same thing for them. United win, they leapfrog them, they go to 10 points, Arsenal on nine. Um, I, I mean, you look at the Champions League result for United, you think, okay, it's a team that's on the up. You know, they smashed Leipzig 5-0, Rashford scored a hat-trick, uh, you're looking at players starting to find cohesion. But then you look at Man United's kind of results recently in the Premier League, that 0-0 draw with Chelsea, obviously struggling against um, teams like Tottenham, that 6-1. Struggling uh, against teams like Tottenham. I know, which is crazy, <laughs> which is crazy to say. Um, you, you'd think that teams would, you know, especially with Man United's pedigree, Tottenham are perennial bottle jobs. They bottled it in the Europa League again against Antwerp 1-0 this morning. Obviously, they lost that. You're so, basking in this, aren't you, eh? <laughs> oh, you got to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, so United, a bit out of sorts, but looking to pull right. Arsenal, a couple of narrow 1-0 defeats against um, the likes of City, Leicester. 
Can they bounce back against United or will United waltz? So, even like forgetting about the match for a second, I think we can both agree that if United lose this one, I think we can make a promise to the listeners that we get as many United supporters on the next pod, right? <laughs> and if they win, we ban them from the pod forever. No, <laughs> no. We, I'm, always, I'm always welcome to some criticism. I couldn't do that. Um, but in terms of... You look at like kind of Arsenal's form, and like even watching the game against Leicester, and all the highlights, they're playing some really good football. I mean, I if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd feel. Did you watch the full game? I did. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. So you're probably walking away from that feeling quite robbed, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, as I said, we needed that goal, and because we hadn't had that goal, as soon as I saw Vardy coming on, I was like, well, we needed the goal, <laughs> so now we've so, been robbed. Do you think, like, what's going to be the weakness that's going to undo you against United? I mean, like, it must be an interesting experience because in the last 10 years, you've probably gone into United games thinking that you're probably the underdog most of the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's probably fair to say that you're not the underdog this time. At very least, you're level, level, you know, even teams. And probably with how you you guys have been going this season, you're probably going as slight favourites. I mean, what are the odds? Uh, well, in the past, history hasn't been kind to us at Old Trafford, apart from in cup runs. I think the last time we won in the league against them at Old Trafford was in 2006. Um, so it's been a long, long time since we last beat them at Old Trafford, and I'd love to see this team turn up and do that. I think United at home, despite not having won there so far this season, are still the favourites, uh, as they should always be at Old Trafford. But you're right, I think this is going to be a very even game. I wouldn't expect any crazy scores to be run up and I I think it's going to be a close result Um, and I'm hoping that Arsenal can get the 1-0 win to make up for all these 1-0 defeats we've been suffering Um, but to be honest it's looking like it's probably going to be a draw and like how does it actually put you guys on the table well I mean if we draw it's not it's not good for either of us so uh, I mean we're looking at 11th at the moment and if we draw we'll probably stay around that number potentially even dropping down to 12th or 13th United will probably stay at 15th or even... Um, yeah, but seriously, if you guys down. get the win, and if, even if, like, I don't know, um, four out of the top six all win this weekend, that's a massive gap for this early in the season to be opening up, eh? Yeah, for, it's like, huge. Form. Yeah, it's huge. And, and as much as we say, you know, it's early season, the games don't matter too much, as much, you know, as much as the tail end, I think every game matters in the Premier League and you have to look at the early season games and you say, let's set a marker for how we want to perform the rest of the season. You know, Liverpool obviously did that last season and they ran away with it towards the end. Um, And they were lucky that they did that because after COVID hit and they had that break, they looked a shell of their former kind of selves when they were so dominant. So you just have to say, you never know what's going to happen. Every game counts. Every game matters, and especially a game against your perennial rivals, Manchester United. If you're an Arsenal fan, this is the game you want to win. If you're a Liverpool fan, it's the game you want to win. And I think if you're a Man United fan, you want to beat those teams as well. So huge game. Uh, Really looking forward to it, and I'm hoping that the team can get the result that they so badly need at Old Trafford. It's been too long since we last had a win there, so... So do you think that this actually will put any of the managers under the pressure for the sack race? So if Arteta loses here, is his job on the line in the next couple of games? Solskjaer seems to be the cat with 95 lives. So I reckon he could lose the next, like, 20 games and because he loves the club, you know, he'll still be fine. Um, Because let's be honest, Solskjaer has has been a cause for him to be sacked from day one. Maybe not from Man United fans, but from people outside the club. 
But really, does Arteta come under a little bit of a pressure here? How strong is that link between him and the club? Or has he got the whole season? <laughs> Interesting that you ask that because I'm going to segue into the next one after I answer it. So I think both managers are safe no matter what the result is. I think Arteta's got the backing for at least another season and then they'll reassess. And I think Solskjaer, you, I, I agree with what you said. I think he's got 95 lives. I think he's fine uh, and he's going to last. And I think that at the end of the day, no matter who wins or loses this match, both managers are safe. Uh, however, there's one other point that we wanted to talk about tonight and that is Scott Parker at Fulham. If they lose to West Brom, I think that Scott Parker's job is well and truly under threat. I think that he could potentially be in line for the sack. I know that Fulham love sacking managers. Their owner is very vocal about uh, the fact that he wanted to sign some centre-backs and he thinks that the team isn't up to it. Uh, I think that Fulham are the team that, well, and, and Scott Parker is the, is the manager that is looking likely most to get sacked at the moment. What, what are your thoughts on that? So most likely to get sacked. So before we get into it, like the only other statement I'll make is I think Solskjaer, the only thing that will really get him sacked is like an embarrassing defeat by Liverpool, right? Like he seems to wear everything else. Getting into the manager most likely to get sacked, is it Scott Parker? Um, as Total Football, we put out a poll and it was very interesting. We put Scott pa- uh, Parker, um, somebody else I can't actually remember, and... Um, Pep Guardiola, which is an interesting kind of like take on it, right? And there was uh, 56 people that voted, and it was 50-50, effectively, uh, Scott Parker and Pep. So do I think that Scott Parker is going to get sacked if he loses against West Brom? No, like, you'd have to think that hopefully Fulham has, like, learnt from their mistakes from the previous season. So, like, a lot of teams have really bad starts to the Premier League. And they do actually make it up. You only probably need what uh, with the way the Premier League now is. What was uh, last year's kind of sixteenth and was it sixteenth and fifteenth around the kind of thirty-eight point mark? Because all the other teams at the top are getting so many points these days that forty-point margin has actually dropped down a little bit. Mm. Um, I reckon. Not West Brom, but he's going to have to get some wins in the next couple of games. You know, a couple, like one win against the side, which wasn't expected, will probably give him and like another kind of three or four games to actually get his kind of house in order. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I just think if he loses to West Brom, that's it. Really, he's going to be in the spotlight. I think that's going to be his pressure ramping up. You know, the pressure on his job ramping up, and I think he's going to be well and truly in trouble if he loses to West Brom, especially if it's a solid defeat, you know, 2-0, 3-0. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. If there's, a, if there's a showing without much promise, right? Yeah. But if, it, if, it's, if it's a close loss, I mean, at the end of the day, he's only six points. I love this, by the way. I love this. He's 20th and he's only six points off Man United. <laughs> it is true. I mean, it is early doors, as we say, but you're right. I just think... The way Fulham have gone about their games, there isn't enough from me. I don't see enough from those players. I don't see enough from the team to really warrant him staying on, and, and I don't think that there's enough at the moment. If Obviously, they put in a hell of a performance against West Brom. They get the result, and then, as you say, they put in a couple of performances where the players really show heart, and they beat teams that they weren't expected to beat. 
um, especially in their next couple of games where they've got the likes of West Ham, who you'd hope that they put in a good performance against, especially in the game after that where they have Everton, who are the dark horses that we were, we were talking about earlier with Ancelotti at the helm. I think that those games will be the acid test, but if he loses this one, then those games become even more pressurized. And I think he knows as much as anyone that the Premier League is just a, a cooking pot, a boiler room, if you will, of pressure. And so that pressure will just build and build and build, and eventually Fulham, I think, are going to blink and they're going to sack him because that's how they have operated for the last five, six years, especially when they're in the Premier League. It seems that they just go, right, we'll move you on, we'll move you on. And you have to look at West Brom, Billich, the man that they sacked actually a couple of seasons ago when they were in the Premier League, and you say, hey, look, Sullivan Billich has the chance to really put pressure on Scott Parker, the new man at the helm of Fulham, um, obviously after he'd left all those seasons ago when he when he was sacked. So it's interesting the way the managerial roundabout swings. Yeah, absolutely. I've got one question for you, though. Do you think that they need... Um, let's make this kind of easy. Do you think they need four players or back players? So do you think they need some strikers to come in, or do you think that they need centre-backs? Uh, well, I mean, their owner was pretty you know, outspoken in the fact that he thinks they need centre-backs. Uh, I think they need both, to be honest. I think the the players that they have, um, I mean, they're so reliant up top on Alexander Mitrovic, uh, the former Newcastle forward. Obviously, he's been there for a few seasons now. He's always their kind of talisman up front. I think um, Kamara up there isn't that good. Uh, they've got a really good goalkeeper in Areola, great name. Um, but I think that the centre-backs do need addressing. I think that Across the board, actually, apart from maybe in centre mid where they have someone like Ruben Roethlis-Cheek um, and Tom Kenny, the club captain, they're, they're okay there. But just they're light at the front and the back. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, it's interesting, though, when you really think about it, and I hate to make this point, um, but Fulham have the same goals conceded as Liverpool. And so... The only difference is is that Liverpool has scored 10 more goals, right? Mm. And in the course of six games, that seems like a lot, but it's really not, right? You get a... If they got an informed striker, maybe from one of the leagues where like he's wanting to make the uh, move to the Premier League, he comes in, and the next kind of five games, he even scores even three to four goals, right? That could make a massive difference about the um, the outcome about those games. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, you do need a you do need to sign a forward because you can't just rely on one striker. I mean, we've done we've seen it done in the past where one striker scores twenty or so goals in the season, everyone else scores uh, peanuts, and then that team obviously finishes, you know, not never wins the title, but finishes in the top four. So I'm thinking about maybe Van Persie for Arsenal that year when we finished in the top four. Um, but I'm looking at Fulham and I'm saying Mitrovic, is he going to get you twenty goals a season? No. Does he need support? Yes. Is Ademola, someone like Lookman, Ademola Lookman, good cover? No. Is someone like Kamara good cover? No. You need someone else who's proven in that area who can come in and do the job for you. I think in yeah, midfield, they're okay. I think defense obviously needs sharpening up as well because apart from, as you mentioned, Liverpool, the only other team to have conceded 14 goals is West Brom, uh, and that doesn't bode well. So you have to look yeah, at both areas of the pitch. And especially if, the, I mean, Aston Villa and Arsenal are the two teams that have conceded the least amount of goals. Um, yeah, you definitely need to have a look at, that, at, at what your defence is doing. So to wrap up, before we, uh, before we finish, I want to go through these Premier League fixtures coming up. So tomorrow we've got Wolves versus Crystal Palace. What do you think? What's, it, what's your score prediction? Uh, I think Wolves will win it uh, 2-1. Yeah, I have to say it had to be boring, but I'm in the same boat. Sheffield United versus Man City. 
Uh, I think Sheffield are going to do better than a lot will predict, but Man City will pull away at the end and win 2-0. To me, that's a 1-1 written all over it. Oh, Sheffield I'd love United. that. I'd love that. It has to come good at some point, and this is going to be the season of pain for Man City. Uh, Burnley versus Chelsea, as much as I would love to say like a 1-0 like grindy win from Burnley, Chris Wood winner, I think that's going to be like a 4-0, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think Chelsea have uh, been you know, kind of building to a big performance for a long time and they need a big performance against a team like Burnley. So yeah, I'd agree. Maybe maybe not four, um, but maybe something like a nice three one. Yeah, nice. And Liverpool versus West Ham, to me that's gonna that's probably a three one, if I'm being honest. Uh, I mean to the me. way Liverpool are conceding I'd make it a three two. Three two? Yeah, that's fair. Aston Villa versus Southampton Southampton is a very interesting game. Um to go and, like to be aligned to my prediction in the previous pod, I reckon that's a very like that's a three two loss for uh, Aston Villa. <laughs> three two loss. I was going to say a two two draw, so we're we're close. Yeah, Newcastle versus Everton. I reckon that's a one one. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to predict that Everton uh, romp this one. I'm going to say three nil. Three nil. Man United Arsenal. With yeah. your heart, I only want to hear about your heart. <laughs> What are you predicting for this match? 1-0 to the Arsenal. 1-0 to the Arsenal. I'll be honest, I think it's a 2-2. Yeah, it's a draw. I mean, I'm going to go with my head and say draw. I'd love to see a 1-0 win because we've had 1-0 defeats recently and I'd love a 1-0 win and a clean sheet at Old Trafford would be amazing. Um, And as a defender, I love clean sheets. So, yeah, Yeah, clean sheets are amazing. eh? If we can get a 1-0, that would be ideal. But obviously, I think it's it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be 2-2. And then if you're a United fan, you say it's going to be a comfortable 3-0 win. Yeah, fair enough. Tottenham versus Brighton, that's a 1-0 Tottenham win written all over it for me. Like, that's just... Jose has had some bad results, some up-and-down results. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a win for Tottenham. I'm not sure how much by, but I'd like to see Brighton offer up a bit of fight. And uh, I like goals, so 3-1 Tottenham. And I'm going to back my boy Scott Parker. I reckon he uh, pulls out a cruisy 3-0 win against West Brom. This, cruisy this 3-0 win. Cruisy. Okay. All right. Well, just to just to go back at that, I'm going to say 1-1 draw. And Leeds versus Leicester City. I know I gave a prediction earlier, but yeah. like, let's be honest. That's a close game, eh? I can't wait for it, mate. I reckon those teams both play good football. I uh, like both managers. Uh, I like yeah. Bielsa that wee bit more, as I've already mentioned. And as I already said, 2-1 to Leeds United. I mean, it's a testament to both of these managers, both of these clubs, and both of these teams that on a weekend that you have Man United versus Arsenal, that to me is the match of the round. Yeah, Leeds I agree. Leicester. No, I totally agree. I think Man United and Arsenal are still trying to find their way back. Um, obviously, they're not as exciting as they once were. They're, they're still on the rebuild. There's a lot of moving parts kind of going in. Leeds and Leicester, I mean, Leicester for a while now have, have been solid. Uh, they've got a solid team. They've got a decent unit in terms of they've played together for a n- number of times. Uh, Leeds United robbed the championship last season, and Bielsa's the coach, and they're so fit. They're so strong, powerful, uh, and you love to watch them. And so th- these these are two kind of finished products uh, who are going toe-to-toe here, So rather than Arsenal and Man United, who are very much in the rebuild kind of phase. Well, thanks for your time, man. Uh, I'll see you same time next week, eh? Same time next week, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Total Football New Zealand podcast for another week. Uh, this has been the Premier League pod, and we're very excited to uh, get back into the 
the A-League action when that comes in, but before that, the ISPS Honda Premiership as well. So stay tuned. When that comes out, we'll have a podcast for that too. But for now, this has been the Total Football New Zealand podcast, the Premier League version, and I'm Connor Clements, and my co-host has been Mike Anderson. Thanks for listening.